The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right, so uh, this morning we're, we're going to introduce the first of seven I am's that Jesus says, and uh, Jesus uh, speaks of himself, gives himself in, um, in the book of John. And this first one is uh, the bread of life. And I don't mean to have a smirk. Uh, disrespectfully, it's just that I was thinking about all the different types of bread there are in culture. Um, how every culture has their bread, their thing, right? Uh, Mexicans have their tortillas, right? Some of you are tor- uh, tortillas. Some of you who um, <laughs> are new to the country that we had first, but you know I'm not bitter. And um, uh, bagels belong to what culture? Jewish culture, non. I'll have none of that. What is none? Indian food, right? Awesome. Uh, fry bread. Native, yes, Native Americans. Well done. I, I thought this one no one will get. I actually had a little star here. Uh, focaccia, my wife's favorite. Mediterranean, correct, again. Um, pita? Greek, Middle Eastern stuff, yeah. Uh-huh. Rye bread. German, yeah, how did you know that? I said Jewish. Oh, you said Jewish? <laughs> Cornbread. I had cornbread with chili yesterday. Southern. Okay, what do you call that? What culture has that snooty little bread that's long with black turtlenecks and arrogant little mustaches? French bread, that's right. <laughs> My grandfather is French, so I feel the liberty to insult them and Hispanics. So, um, uh, Irish soda bread, kind of tip my hand there. Irish soda bread. That is, that is not appealing at any level. Yeah. So any of you who are Irish, what, sir? Pan Okay, well, pan dulce, hello, yes, you know. And the Caucasian equivalent, winchels or donuts. <laughs> and Wonder Bread, what culture is that? <laughs> the wonder is that they call it bread. It can sell it in stores. Um, John chapter 6, verse 25. Let's um, turn to that here. So this particular account happens, um, well actually this is kind of amazing. Of all the miracles and all the actions that Jesus did, there's only one sign or miracle that all four biographies or gospels have. Anybody know which one it is? The end of the 5,000, correct. That's the only one. Each one of the authors, and you know, we talked about this last Sunday that each author who's writing the gospel or biography of Jesus is looking at the same scene as almost like as a, at a traffic accident, you know, four different corners. They all have their perspective watching the same scene. And so in many cases, when you read those gospels or biographies, you'll see overlap and in information that seems familiar. Well, they're watching the same event, but each has their own unique perspective. Yet all four of them saw something about the point of their story in the feeding of the 5,000. So the feeding of the 5,000 happens. Jesus leaves. He recognizes that um, the crowd, you know, what he's picking up from the folks there is that they want to make him a uh, political king, right? And, and, and uh, keep in mind, this was, this was so important to first century Jewish culture. The, 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 to them, the daily insult and humiliation of being occupied by Rome and having the, you know, the, the daily and, uh, you know, insult of Greek pagan culture stamped all over Israel 
They couldn't wait for somebody who would, um, this promised Messiah, who would come and, you know, cleanse the land, as it were, get rid of everybody who didn't belong there. Because after all, we were God's people. And in a way, you know, it, it, it raises questions. Well, what is, what is being said about us <clears throat> or our God that our God's not able to provide the land that he promised to us? Right? So, you know, it, it was important. It wasn't just this flippant thing. And it may be hard for us in the West to, to feel that, uh, you know, you might get a sense of it a little bit when you see folks in the Middle East and um, American or other uh, forces occupying or being part of a fighting situation in their country. You've got to get a sense of it. You want them out. And whether you agree on the war or not, that's not the issue. I'm not making a statement on that. I'm just trying to give you some kind of contemporary feel for it. So when Jesus picks up that after feeding the 5,000, people are, um, what's the word I want? Um, I'm thinking of making him a political ruler. Like, yeah, you know, give us a J, give us an E. You know, We're going to make Jesus the king. He leaves. And uh, sends the disciples out. And there's a, no, that's another story. And so they, they find him on the, quote, the other side of the lake, which is up, this is up north. All right? Um, and so verse 25 is where we pick up. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they answered him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And so Jesus answered them, you know, I'm telling you the truth. You're not looking for me because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate and had your fill. You know, you're, you're, you're interested in what I'm, who I am, because you got a sandwich out of it, you know. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works, of, the works that God requires? Well, here, here's the work of God. To believe in or trust the one he has sent. So they asked him, this is a, oh, can you give us a sign? I mean, as opposed to feeding all 5,000 of you. That's not enough. And, and by the way, the miraculous is never a foundation for belief. Never. Oh, if so, I'm going to pray for so-and-so to get healed because then they'll believe in God. No, they won't. They'll just be more effective and healthy as they, as they sin. You know, I mean, there's not going to be any... The, the miraculous or something big is not going to change people's belief system. Not really. What sign then will you give us that we may see and believe it? What will you do? And this... Because our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did that. They're dead, aren't they? Awesome bread. Verse 32, very truly I say to you, it is not Moses who gave them the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, oh, awesome, then give us this bread. You know, verse 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, you still don't believe. And when you read the word believe in there, it's, it's, it's safe to kind of interchange in your head the word trust. All right? So all those that the Father gives me, uh, gives to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, my agenda, my plan, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I will lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes or trusts in him will have eternal life. Not a length of life, but a quality of life, a type of life. Okay, that's what eternal life is. And I'll raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews that were there began to grumble about them, saying, 
because Jesus has said, I'm the bread that came from heaven. And then they pointed out the obvious. That again, this might be hard for us to recognize. What they're saying, you know, this is going to sound funny, but I don't mean to be funny. They're saying, isn't this, isn't this Jesus? Don't we know his dad? You know? What do you mean he came down from heaven? We saw you grow up, dude. What are you talking about? We know you. You made this chair for us. Your dad built this wall for us. We know where your shop was. We know how you roll, dude. Don't play. Don't play. We know your hood. Don't play like we don't, you know, like you came down from heaven. You know, come on. Verse 43, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent, uh, sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Like, I want you to feel and listen to how exclusive Jesus is uh, speaking of himself. I'm not like anybody else. I'm not like your rabbi. I'm not like the Pharisees. I'm not like any of the Sadducees. I'm not like anybody, your, your very devout, um, sincere family members. No one else understands or sees God like I have. I am the bread of life, 48. Verse 48, second time. And this is why I said that earlier. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Guess what? They died. That's the sign you want? Make you a sandwich and then you die? But here is the bread that comes from heaven. And you can almost imagine him, you know, touching himself. Which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And then this is where they probably lost him. (laughs) This bread is my flesh. Which I will give for the life of the world. Now keep in mind that one of the groups of people or things that were going on there uh, at the time was um, I guess they were grouped and lumped into the phrase of mystery religions but one of them included bathing, consuming blood and other weirdness so when he says this this is not that far out of context for what some people know go on in some Greek religions so then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves how can this man give us his flesh to eat because they went total literal in this I mean that was their experience Jesus said to them, look, very truly I say to you. And, and by the way, I, notice he isn't trying to make it softer and easier for them. They're thinking about, how can we, we're going to eat your, you know, I don't know, think zombie. I mean, how are we going to eat your flesh? What are you talking about? And then Jesus presses on that pain point. Four times he's going to drive home the point. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Watch. Or Listen. Jesus said to them, very truly I uh, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me and, and will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna? Ate, you know, Moses sandwiches. Awesome. But they died, didn't they? Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. By the way, this, this synagogue has been found. That's kind, of, that's kind of crazy to consider. This is like the last four or five years. The, the synagogue in Capernaum. <clears throat> so on hearing this, many of, many of his disciples said, wow, this is a little hard to swallow. No pun intended. Um, who can accept it? Verse 61. So aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, oh, does this offend you? This is hard for you. 
Well, what if you saw the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? So you need, you need a sign. You need something. The Spirit gives life. Flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And yet, still, there are some of you who don't trust me. Don't believe me. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And so he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has sent him. So from this time, many of his disciples turned back and said, "Mm, we're done. I can't. If this is the next step of commitment, we can't. So you can um, picture Jesus talking to a bunch of folks. um, Hundreds maybe? I don't know. And the crowd's getting thinned out as they're leaving. He's given a, quite a talk on the bread of life. You know, 95% of the folks like, uh, looks at the 12. Do you want, you want to go too? And Peter, you have to feel this moment, steps up and says, well, don't, I don't get this. I'm paraphrasing pretty quickly, I know. And this is hard. We think you're the guy still. We're losing numbers. But we've come to know and experience you. That you are the son of God. And you alone have the words of eternal life. So where are we going to go? I, I, um, I like this statement of Peter. Because I think it, it probably speaks to a lot of us. Like, This is hard. And I, I know that you have life. And I'm not sure... In fact, it's almost what we're saying is that the future does look hard to continue following you. What's more familiar to me or what seems to fit better is where I used to be. But I've outgrown that. And while I was facing forward following you, those doors closed. So I'm going to keep going. But, you know, I, 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 some of my enthusiasm is a little bit lost here. <laughs> you know. And... Um, he, they stay. So, so here's the question, I guess, as we go on this talk over the next 20 minutes here. Is Jesus really the bread of life, the source of life? Or just another set of rules? Is it just another religion? Is it really something that matters and makes a difference? Is it the source of life? And I'm convinced of this. Every single person, there's not one of you here that takes any action or decision that you don't think is to your benefit. No, I knew this was wrong when I did it. Yeah, but you still thought it was better than not doing it. I mean, in the end, no one, no one hates themselves to that. Well, what about the people that you know, hurt themselves and, and you know, end their life? They still love life enough to say, I don't want to live this life. I will end the life that I have. So I think, though, to answer that question, is Jesus the source of life? You have to ask, well, what is a human being? What feeds that soul? What, what causes that person to thrive? What makes us human? Does Jesus match? Why him? Why not some other religious or spiritual teaching? Why any spiritual teaching? Are we just, you know, born, live, die? Cease to exist? Loss of consciousness? What kind of madness would that be? Do people matter and have a meaning or a purpose? Those are the questions I think we should be asking before we ask, is Jesus the bread of life? 
So let me quickly go through why I think he is. Genesis 1. If the story is true, and obviously I think it is, when God created everything um, from nothing just by the power of speaking into an existence, six times he says it's good. And you kind of get the feel almost as if um, as an artist, which was a way that he was considered before Newton, um, the artist, or, or, or a chef or a cook or the person that's designing the painting. Like I'm always fascinated when my wife is, you know, putzing around and creating in the house. I can watch her do it for hours. You know, I have no interest in being involved, but I can. Wow, that's amazing what you're doing. My coffee's cold. So, um, <laughs> so, um, so she's painting and doing her thing, and then you know, and she does just like what God did. You know, and such steps back and looks. Yeah, that's good, and then gets back into it. Right. So God makes systems. Solar systems, plants, the way, I mean, uh, you know, the, the closed water system that we have, whatever. Oh, that's good. Oh, you know, plants and daisies and flowers and, you know, whatever. And forget-me-nots and whatever. I forgot the rest of the names. And, the, and you know, this extravagant display of nature. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Makes animals, right? Makes, um... <laughs> Do I think the, the giraffe was a horse designed by a committee? Oh, no, no, no. I'm going I'm to have them to make a horse here instead. We'll leave that as an example of what not to do. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he goes, well, that's, that's good. But it is until he, until he says, let's, and I mean us here, speaking in the midst of community relationally, the, 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 the doctrine or the idea that we call the Trinity so easily, this thing that we can't wrap our minds around. He says, let's. Let's make a human being in our image. We possess the ability to think, to decide. We have emotion. We'll give them that. We live in relationship. And so we'll give them that as well, that that will be necessary for that person to thrive, that, that for humanity to thrive. We'll give them that. We love and we communicate. We'll give them that as well. I love the drama of the story. As he, you know, forms this being and then this breathes into him. If it was done well in the movie, as Steven Spielberg would do, you know, you'd almost have a tight close-up on maybe man's mouth as there's his breath going in. He becomes a living soul. It's fascinating, isn't it? And this is an amazing story. So he makes man, quote, or us in his image, the components of personality, the ability to love and communicate. In chapter 2, verse uh, 16, he gives them something to do. You might say a job, work, activity. Something worthwhile. Hey, take care of my planet. Have dominion. Many of us perhaps have thought of that, that it was a license to rape and pillage. Mistakes were made. Let's take care of this planet. I mean, it's not yours. It's mine. I want you to take care of it, though. Join me and, you know, garden, plant, make flowers, do stuff, you know, all those things that I don't get. But, you know, you do that. This is your job. This is what I want you to do. Join me in the, the act of creating furthering my beauty. Verse 16 and 17, because this is a love relationship, I, 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 you know, you'll need and I'll need evidence that you do love me, which includes obedience, following. It's, it's always that word that we don't care for. I mean, I understand it, and I still like, how about compliance? No, how about, you know, so, I mean, the the, the tree is irrelevant. Let me help some of us who can't get past this. Was the tree evil? No. 
He could have just simply said, don't climb in that rock, don't cross that stream, don't go up to that hill, don't tag on the wall, in case they're very Hispanic. Um, <laughs> you know, I want us to understand that you have voluntarily chosen to love me, which will include an obedience. Here's the thing. This tree here, don't eat of it. Because I'm telling you, just trust me here. You eat it, you're going to experience, or no, Hebrew calls it, but it's always experiential. You'll have the knowledge of good and evil. And for some reason, that seemed like a good idea to Adam and Eve. Oh, we'll get to know good and evil? Wow, that tree looks pretty good. And I don't know where we got red apples from. It's obviously it was mangoes. And so at any rate, um, actually, I don't care for any kind of fruit. I prefer my food prepared in stainless steel vats so I know it's healthy. Um, paste, you know, kind of like Robocop. And so um, talk about true but useless information. How many of you have ever done something really like you thought, I wonder if this will hurt. And then you, you've done that, right? You know what I'm saying? Or uh, I wonder, oh, this, you know, dude, this is so sick. This will make you throw up. Really? You know, have you ever done that? Uh, some of us have, I know, I know it sounds odd, but there's a, there's a couple of us in this room. I mean, I was like, don't do that. It'll really hurt. Really? You know? <laughs> oh, you're right. You know. I mean, I know, you know the dumb metaphors. You, you, we, we tell our kids not to play with fire because it'll get burned. And then they experience a burn. And you know what? From the moment that they experience burn to our telling them you'll get burned, that information's not any truer. Not any truer. It's just that now they have an experience of it. So they could have said, oh, well, my pops is saying that this will burn, and burn sounds not good. He's warning me against it. I won't do it. And you know what? That information would still be true. So Adam and Eve experienced the agony of evil. Just as God said. And quote, and in dying you will die. You might say. That wasn't any truer after Eve and Adam did that. Um, And there was a disconnect, you might say, between them. Verse 18, uh, in chapter 2, there's sort of like a recap, a little more detail given regarding man's creation. So it tells you that's something important about that. In Hebrew literature, it wouldn't be put in bold or italic type. It would just tell you again to emphasize the point. And so when God sees Adam, I mean, there's something about him not good, no bueno being alone. Because we're made in his image, he brings Eve into the picture. Not that they complete each other, but that there's a sense of perfection and mirroring God. Um, And everything functions as it was designed to, let's say up until the incident at the fruit tree. uh, And still does, right? I mean, you know, if you take mud, if you take dirt and water, it'll become mud, right? Birds of flaw. I mean, I understand there's things that that are abnormalities and, and anomalies, but everything essentially functions as it was designed to function. I, I, listen, I know this. This is going to amaze you. I guarantee this. I'll bet money on this. Tomorrow the sun will rise. Well, actually, the earth will turn. And it'll appear the sun rises. Moon will come out. The, there'll be a gravitational pull on the waves. There'll be a, a low tide that goes back out. Fish will still be in the water. I mean, you follow? Everything functions as it was designed to and therefore fulfills its purpose and gives credit and glory to God. 
Except for us. That's the only thing that doesn't. Because of this wonder and incredible burden, you might say, of choice. See, even you, you have to feel the echo of Jesus' words today as he spoke to the crowds. You can leave. Right? Even to those who he was closest to. He, by the time you get to chapter 6, we're talking about a year, year and a half into their, their one-on-one time and training. You know, you, you guys want to go too? I mean, the crowds are leaving. Peter, I think that's your dad, right? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> Do you want to go? In relation to our creator, um, I think our meaning begins when we do love, and love will always include a component of obedience. It, it just does, period. In fact, this is not any different than what you experience in friendships, right? You have a friendship when it's healthy and right and normal. There's a sense of loyalty. There's a sense of commitment. There's, some, there's almost like an unspoken, there's a tacit agreement, for each, care for each other. We know this as parents. So if you have kids or some of you, you, you take care of children or you work with kids and we love you. Just don't do what you say. Well, there's some, maybe some untruth in that. It's not really love. It's the way that we, <laughs> so that we even care for our pets in some way, right? We train them to obey. A lot of patience. A lot of love. So in relation to his creator, humanity is functioning as he or she was designed when we love and obey God. That's the story of the scripture. Now that's the proposition. And here's what I'm willing to concede. That it may not be true. So you get your choice. Well, you know. I like, you guys try to do good things. I'm, I'm okay with that. But this whole... Compliance thing? No. So do we have a purpose or a reference point? Now think about this. There's other options for your reference point. Um, In many systems, your man's meaning or reference point is his relationship to the state. What I do in the government in terms of what man is in relation to the state and and government. Who is he? What makes him function best? The government decides. Um, for many of us, we've had our own reference points where we make our own decisions regarding my value and meaning is going to be determined by how much I'm able to, uh, you know, get or own. And by the way, before we think, yeah, those all those wealthy people, they're such, you know, horrible human beings. No, I mean, it's right here in this room. It's, it's not people who have, it, by the way, it's always somebody who has more than you that's mishandles or misjudges how they handle their affluence, right? Because certainly you don't. I mean, it's okay to spend 20 bucks on a sweater from Gap, but to spend 70 or 80 at Banana, that just insults God. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Got it on sale. It's a basic black cardigan. And the classics never go out of style. 
for some of us, we have our meaning in our sexual identities. Ever met somebody like almost the first thing out of their mouth is, hey, I'm gay. Like, you know, there's more to your humanity than that, believe it or not. There's more, there's more that defines you than who you choose to sleep with. Because I never say, hi, I'm Octavia. I'm heterosexual. You know, I just don't. That just doesn't come up, you know. And I'll tell you what else doesn't come up. Hi, I'm Octavio. I'm Latino, you know. Like, hello, don't you get it? You know, I mean, uh, I'm Hispanic. I'm this political party. I'm a, I'm a that. Hi, I'm Octavio. I'm a salesman. Hi, I'm Octavio. I'm a pastor. That is never one of my identities. It's just not what defines me. You know what? There's more to my humanity than that. If I cease being a pastor, if I cease being married, if I cease being anything, I'm still human. And since we're talking about sex, even if I cease the ability to have sex, I'm still human. So when someone says that's their first identity, it's like, "Mm, there's more to you than that. I bet you're much more interesting than just that. For some of us, it is the relationship, um, I don't know, to what we, our, our physical strength, our previous sports, glory days, our beauty, our intelligence, that's what gives us meaning. Now imagine then if you lose that. Are you still human? Do you not have meaning? And, and for those of us who've experienced some level of uh, thinking that what would make us happy, fulfilled, cause our souls to thrive, even when you acquire some of that, doesn't it feel like, like dust and ash? Or sand in your hands. I mean, it's, it doesn't really, it, it's, it's like the mirage in the desert. Oh, there's life, there's water, you get there, oh, it's just sand. How many of you have, you know, even, well, how can I put this? Well, English. Yeah, I'll say this frankly. By the time I met Lily, I was already uninterested in sex and relationships. It was that boring to me. I mean, I had, it was done. And part of the refreshing thing of meeting Lilia was having a connection where there was just conversation. I remember that first night thinking, I can marry a girl like this. So I did. I mean, it, it, you, 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 have a, you get to a place where you think what's going to give you life, when you experience it, you realize, oh my gosh, it doesn't. Or worse, you continue to kid yourself that it's going to, which is the definition of insanity, Right? Keep doing the same thing over and over, but you're waiting for a different result. In fact, what's even funny, if we think this much doesn't work for us, because we're in America, we shop at Costco, just get bigger. Because we know that God, guns, and Costco made America great. Mostly Costco. Every system fulfills its purpose except us. Here's what's crazy. I mean, let me pull some of this back a little bit. But here's what I do want to make, make clear. That every relationship with God, or God's, or man's, let's say, purpose, meaning, was meant to love, obey, and I want to add this word here to make sure that's very clear. Enjoy God. And I don't think that's part of our cultural understanding. That it's like, oh, I better... I should, I have to, it, you know, it's easier for me. But I, I wonder if we ever under, you know, fully grasp the notion of actually enjoying God. You know, you know God wasn't trying. You know, I, I, listen, let's be frank. God didn't need us. 
We don't complete him. He wasn't sitting around, oh man, I got no one to boss around. I got no one I can mess with. We were designed for relationships, with the ability to love, to communicate. Essentially, we're rational. We have meaning and purpose. When we stand as creatures before our creators in love, and all of that really by the mystery or the romance and the wonder of choice. This is what I love about marriages, about wedding ceremonies. Because no matter what else is being said there, both of them have said to each other, I choose you. Right? Because it is, it is a choice. It's not just, you know, uncontrolled romance, I mean, romantic feelings. There is a, there's a, a powerful choice component in human relationships. And so it is with God. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Even if that's true about God, then where does Jesus fit in? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 3. John tries to make this very clear. Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of the world, of all mankind, rather. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what is Jesus playing this role? He says, I am your source of life. I am your creator. I'm, I'm not a just um, a good idea, uh, an option. I don't compliment your life. I'm not a tack on. I'm not... Yeah, you know what I'll tell you? This is what it says. There's not one area of your life that doesn't say, that's mine. Our finances. My, my intelligence. You know, when I use my brain to figure out things that I'm able to figure out and do. And, you know what? I, I bring credit and glory to God. I function as he designed me. Um, when you take care of your body, when, if you're an athlete and you run or you play ball and you do well or you're not doing, you're, you're functioning and giving glory and credit to God. How many of you remember that famous film, Chariots of Fire? Love that line. I know he's made me for the mission field, but I know he's made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. That, that sums it all up. Every area of your life. Your sexuality. Your finances. Everything. There's not one area he doesn't say, mine. Oh, that's mine. Oh, no, I made you. Mine. Made me. Oh, no, that's mine too. So this is what you're getting into when you say, I'm going to commit to follow Jesus. He says, Awesome. I'm taking it all. Now, here's one thing I do, I, I will tell you, because this is the vision metaphor in my own head. Uh, not very long ago, last year, I was coming to a, a crossroad. And I just really remember feeling that's a level of honesty I just can't experience. I don't want to necessarily go right there. And I remember it just felt hard. Just, it felt, you know, anybody run? You guys, anybody run on a regular basis? Jog? Nobody? So you're all sane? Good. Because, um, I mean, what's it? you just run and you come back, right? You didn't like... Like if you went to Target and came back, I would get that. But you're just running and sweaty. I had a friend once who used to take me to try to get me to run to... would go up these hills. Like, oh, if you go on the hills, it's better if you're hard and cardio. Like, stupid. How can I keep my cigarette that when I'm running, though? <laughs> so um, I, 
just remember having to stop one time, and, and it just it hit me again where I felt it was all uphill what I was doing to my soul. Right? Anybody get there? It just feels it's uphill. Not fun. Your legs hurt. You're short of breath. It's sweaty. And then when you get up there, there's no water. It's like, why am I going to there? You know, I don't want to go to there. I don't want to stay in home, you know. And uh, so I remember thinking, I'm going to stop here. I honestly got that image in my head of, of Christ stopping with me. I'm not pushing you. But I'm telling you, it's much better up there. And so it was like a choice. Okay. When you, uh, any man or woman, commits to following Christ, um, there are some days it's going to feel uphill. Right? And yet, here's the funny thing. I'm not sure what the option is. It's that much better. I mean, you know, generally when folks are coming to me about situations that they're dealing with or processing and da-da-da-da-da, and I think this, and you know, I understand what the scriptures say, but I think this. Or I love it when people say, I know what the scriptures say. What do you think? Like, <laughs> well, here's a surprise. <laughs> I'm going to go with the scriptures, you know? Like, <laughs> but, but when someone says, but, oh, well, I think this, and I'm, I do it this way, I always ask them, well, how's that working for you? Well, you know, it's not. That's, yeah, I think that's probably why you're here. So what do you, I mean, counseling is very easy. Sometimes the counseling, my response to them is, really? Just one word, really? All right, so back to this. If, if what you have believing in, what your system is, is believing working for you, awesome, great. I'm saying to you, though, when it doesn't work and you realize it's not useful or not the truth or not in alignment with reality, that Christ is. But it's everything. It's not partial. You will be asked from him to align your life in every area. So is Jesus the stuff of life? Well, if what John said is saying is true, if what Jesus said about himself is true, that unlike, that like bread, Jesus doesn't just sustain life, he gives life, unlike bread. And the way to experience this life from him, that includes love and enjoyment, is simply choosing to do so. I wish to follow Jesus in this area. I wish to become a disciple, a student of his. I wish to become connected to God. And, and by the way, uh, I'll, let me just close with this. You don't have to get everything first. How many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Awesome. Okay. How many of you are married more than a year? Raise your hand. Okay. Is it different now than when you're... Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not counseling, bro. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> okay, it's better. Yes, that's right. Better. Awesome. Thanks for saving us. Um, but I'm sure for the women, they're thinking, oh, yeah, it's different. You know, I mean, you know, you, you go in loving what you think you're loving. Then you find out what you're getting into. And you're oh, I'm still going to stay in love with you, you know. All right. To a degree, there's a parallel. It's with God. You know, I, you, you don't have to get everything. You don't have to get everything. But you do have to start if you wish to experience the life of Jesus. All right, let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much that, that you are good. And uh, I, mean, I just even thank you for this bright, sunny day after 
rain that our planet needs, all these systems you designed, the winds that come in and out, the hills that we get to see, plant life. Uh, some of us are going to be heading out to different places to eat, all the spices that you created, our ability to create new recipes and put combinations together of food. Um, there's just so much. Even the way our, our bodies self-heal uh, and work and um, the gift of being able to hear music, see beauty, experience pleasure, enjoy company, friends, family, all the different types of relationships that you've given us to, well, to thrive. And, it, and if that wasn't enough, there's so much extravagance. There's some things you've just done simply for us to enjoy. I mean, you know, we're so thankful for red velvet cupcakes, but there's no need for them. I wish for myself and for my friends here, Father, as I pray, that you'd help us to have more courage and confidence in what you say is true and to trust you further, to recognize and understand that you really truly are the bread of life. You sustain life. You give life. You give us meaning, purpose. You are the one that completes us and fulfills us. And so I pray for my friends who are here that are not quite sure they can buy into that. And for those of us who are, help us see it more clearly. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.